feature presentation. Welcome back to another Untitled TIFF review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside, he's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Matt, why don't you just eat it? <laughs> we saw a bench open, guys. We're going to keep recording. So we're yeah. walking and talking as we record <laughs> is, this. This is this is happening in real time It's day now. two of the Toronto International Film Festival. Eric and I have decided to do most of our recordings in a park called the Grange Park here in Toronto. Um, so you might hear some car noise. You might hear some people. Uh, I mentioned at the beginning, I cut that part out, but it is take two. We tried to do this already and some people decided to uh, sort through some glass bottles and yell behind us. So, Eric, uh, yes. that is uh, the film festival and trying to record a podcast In remotely. a nutshell, um, as we're watching a squirrel eat maybe a nut i don't know i Some love garbage. it it gives a little bit of a different vibe just like how last night we had a little yeah. bit of a different vibe it was weird man the opening night film of midnight madness weird the al yankovic story yes uh, probably the perfect crowd to see this movie with. possibly one of the only crowds <laughs> yeah. to see this movie with because it's going to be on roku i was going to say roku <laughs> roku to uh, we went to stream. bed at like 4 30 a.m last yes. night because of this um yeah midnight madness i, I absolutely love i used to go to way more of them uh when we were young men um now i can only do pretty much one per festival uh because last night you get home cost me like 50 dollars to take an uber home because like the movie got out right as like bars were getting out and stuff yeah. too and then um it's surge pricing and all this bullshit and then you get home at like 3 a.m i gotta decompress a little bit i can't go to sleep right away um and by the time I look at the clock it's like over past 4 a.m and i'm like all right tomorrow's gonna be rough but um it was it was a fun time last night we'll get into the movie but i i really do love midnight madness and it felt like an energy that i haven't had at tiff or at a movie theater in, in a little while yeah I, I think peter kaplowski deserves a lot of credit and everybody that's working on the midnight madness programming team in terms of getting something together that's both kind of a nice mix of horror and genre that plays well to an audience that kind of brings back that communal experience that we've been missing you know in, in almost three years now so you know going back to that atmosphere at the royal alexandra theater for the first time yeah, there was too. was really exciting it's kind of almost like a smaller version of uh, the princess of wales in, in a way yeah still very old they yeah. can sell beer now at midnight madness cramped which is and like, sweaty oh god dude like again we'll get into the movie in a sec um but part of this is the experience as well and um i love those old theaters but they i don't know if people were smaller back then if they weren't as fat i'm fat i'm really really fat um if they weren't as fat if their like legs weren't as long or or what but like those there is no leg room it is unforgiving up yeah. there in the in the dress circle at least and um, but beautiful. It's great. Like it was a it was a good vibe. Like people were worried that the Ryerson um, theater might be missed um, as a pigeon is saying hello to us. Um, but I think the vibe still the vibes continued into the Royal Alexandra, and I feel like it'll be a good venue for Midnight Madness. Like I like everything being on that street there. Yeah. I think it's one of those it's one of those years where you know again everybody's reintegrating into a more kind of traditional festival yeah. routine and also you know experiencing a venue that has never been used for TIFF before and at the same time also kind of just just acclimatizing again to mm -hmm. the the Pack world we theaters, live in now and yeah and, 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 and 
It's it was a lot of fun. Like I gotta say, like I think at least a half or a full star of this movie <laughs> is because of the oh, experience. The crowd, yeah. Um, as a dog barks, uh, which is kind of perfect. <laughs> we are near a dog park, which probably isn't like the best place to choose to record a no. podcast, but it's fine. But it's fine, we're and we're in the shade. Thing. And as Weird the dog, Al would would approve. He but. would. He would. He, his his own dogs would be barking. Um, but yeah, it, it's just one of those things where I think. You know, you you watch it with the audience that is kind of enraptured by, you know, the excited genre. Excited to be back and excited to kind of go crazy for a movie. Yeah, and especially then, for someone who's kind of a, a bit of a folk hero yeah. or poke hero, uh, like uh, Weird Al. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. And and you know, starting off Midnight Madness with a prestigious biopic like this, yes, is an so interesting, prestigious. interesting choice. As someone with what the hell is that thing? I, it's like, <laughs> it looks like a normal bicycle, um, but just noisier. Oh God, this is going to be a weird one. So that makes I mean, sense. it's appropriate um, for what we're talking about. But I lost my train of thought. But I, I do agree with you that like that crowd really brought an energy that did help this movie. And ironically, being a Roku movie, yeah. like I don't know if people are going to be able to replicate the experience we had last night. And then that makes me a little worried when this plays at home for most people, how it will be received. Because like I ultimately had a really good time with this. Um, I think it's inconsistent. A little one note. It like. It feels like a, a a video, like a YouTube skit. Well, it is a fun. It is a funny or, or die production, video. and yeah. It's, and if you've and it's seen extended. that regular that trailer that they made ten years ago yeah. or something, I forget how long. Um, it is just an extended version of that, and you can see that in the movie. So it does wear itself a little thin through its runtime. Um, but I think that crowd helped bring that energy that I don't know if I would have had at home. So like, I think you know Weird Al's music. If if you grew up liking Weird Al and like it's I think that brings some energy to the movie too it's it's really really ridiculous and, and stupid um, so I mean I like I said get really stoned at home and watch it or something like that but I just it, it seems like a shame that people won't be able to have the experience we had last night when you watch it on Roku and I feel like it is one of those movies where if I just watched it at home on streaming like again it looks like a streaming movie it feels like a streaming movie at times but then I feel like the comedy might not play as well or some of the ridiculous moments might feel um, a little exhausting by the end of it. When it you don't wears have itself like, thin. Yeah, where, when you don't have a crowd kind of kicking you in the, the face to make you either like laugh or, or cheer or something like that. So, yeah, and, and I also think, you know, because of something like Walk Hard yeah. already existing, it kind of defeats Did the purpose a little bit of making this. Ago, right? Where, like, I get the idea that it's like this meta joke of, you know, a parody artist parodying biopics and still trying to do it. But we were talking about it before. I think it would have been better um, if the biopic went full on kind of traditional, prestigious, like glamorous. Bit, right? Yeah, and, and be like a legitimate, like Bohemian Rhapsody, Rocket Man you know kind of movie where like it takes itself seriously and that's what would make it funnier where it isn't taking itself seriously and it is having a good time but again that kind of feels like after a while it's just kind of diluted and you know that the laughs aren't there as much and like you could just be watching uhf instead which is much more 
funnier and kind of interesting in terms of how it kind of plays with access television or community television at, at that period um, and weirdly more innovative. Um, with this, like you're watching and you're thinking to yourself, okay, it is really one note and, and it is gimmicky in sort of like it's casting with a lot of actors that are, you know, either, you know, alt comedians or, you know, other famous faces that you'll recognize in cameo roles. It's all kind of like stunt casting. It's like, oh, this person comes in for, you know, a minute and yeah. plays this other kind of um, famous person, niche rec- artist. Yeah, recognizable niche yeah, artist. Um, yeah, from, you know, the 1980s. And then, like, you have the kind of classic, like, you know, my parents don't understand me and they don't get my right. my interests in life. And as much as I'm, you know, not a big fan of that all the time, I, I really do appreciate both Julianne uh, Nicholson and <laughs> Toby, Toby Huss, who are, you know, above this material in a lot of ways. But again, they are truly committed to yeah. playing it as straight as possible. I mean, Toby Huss is also a very funny guy and, like, he is kind of a comedic actor in his own right. But, um, yeah, there's just something about it that kind of feels like... If this, it's what's it's it, it's exactly what you would expect yeah, it to be. That, so you can't really like, again, I can't blame the movie for that. Like I, I think it sets out and accomplishes what it's trying to do. Yeah, it commits. Like if you've seen that Funny or Die original fake trailer, it is like if you saw one of those fake trailers from a fake from a fake movie, um, brought to life. Just like, a feature length. Yeah, at feature length, and I think that there's nothing necessarily wrong with that and if you if you vibe with weird al and you and you vibe with really ridiculous silly humor um i think you will have a good time it's just i would try to watch this with like a group of friends if you're gonna watch it at um it's like watching a bad movie right like not that i'm saying this is necessarily a bad film but like something like you know the room or birdemic it's it it loses its meaning if you're watching it by yourself and you can kind of you know, go in and out of, of lucidness watching it and want to do other things and it's not as funny where, you know, you already mentioned it, you have an audience egging you on to kind of laugh even when it's not necessarily all that funny, but it's funny to laugh with, you know, a collective group of people and enjoy it a little bit more. And so when you're watching, you know, the very kind of flat looking cinematography or, you know, kind of the ridiculous nature of where the film goes because it does you know, play very fast and loose with yeah. the historical accuracy of Weird Al, which is uh, funny. We, yeah, I think I think the best bit in in the whole film is just the idea of Eat It being an original song that Michael Jackson that stole. Michael Jackson <laughs> sold. Like that is actually a funny idea, um, but it's very repetitive to yeah. the point where it's like, okay, it's repeating the same joke over and over again in different ways. But and I did like chuckle each time. Yeah, but like. It, you start to see them even come even earlier, and you see the the setup and the punchline, and it is that same. It was joke funny the first it. time, but pretty but funny the second time, third time you're like, okay, uh, that oh, clever. And you could argue, uh, well, it's funny again because they keep repeating it, yes. but it, it kind of wears a little bit thin. It's like it's like listening to a Weird Al song. It's like yeah, it's sure. fun to listen to it a couple of times, but then after a while, you need a break you, from it before yeah. you go back to but, it. But it is also interesting just to think about like how kind of like he always comes. back Back. Like, there's this cycle with him where, like, you know, obviously, you know, in the 80s, he was most popular, but then in the early 90s with Amish Paradise, and then, like, around, like, what, with 2003 yeah. or 2004 with uh, uh, White and Nerdy, White right? White and Nerdy, yeah, that's where, what I was going to bring up. And he hasn't... I wonder if this movie will 
have him do another album right or something like that i know he's getting older and stuff like that too and i know he's done a, a, uh, some music for uh lego star wars on disney plus and stuff like that played and, himself um, in rob zombies um, halloween too yeah uh, did he yep yeah i didn't know i forget as a, as I, a uh, tv talk show guest cool um and i i wonder if he will kind of take one more stab at it like now being in in you know the 2020s but it would be interesting to see him uh, tackle some more modern music but he's in the movie um, as well i think we can we yeah, can mention yeah that. that's in the trailer and yeah, stuff like and that too it's it's sort of distracting and and those jokes i think don't really work no um at all like the, again it is his kind of tame dad humor a little bit at, at times but like there's a lot of um, dad related humor that in this. is there is literally some dad uh humor a lot of it in this but um yeah overall i think it is a a perfectly enjoyable movie that was elevated um immensely by a midnight madness crowd so then i go oh i don't know if that would play as well at home for people but i am curious to see because like it, it is really silly um, I think Weird Al is recognizable enough that people will want to check this out. I feel like everyone likes Weird Al. Like, I don't know. Like, not everyone. Yeah, well, I mean, like, he's he's a niche artist. This is a niche film. Yeah. It, you know, the people that want to seek it out will. will probably like and it. And I think we should also talk about Daniel Radcliffe. I think, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, his yeah, performance yeah. is extremely committed, like yeah. you mentioned with Julian Nicholson and, and Toby Huss and their roles. And him, uh, Weird Al doing the actual music and him just, like, yeah. syncing is funny. Well, and that's the Bohemian Rhapsody yeah. of it yeah. all, right? Where, like, I think that's also probably one of the better bits where it's just like, yeah, why not use the music and kind of, you know, spoof how ridiculous it is to see, you know, Rami Malek win an Oscar for just lip syncing yeah. a half of a performance. Um, and and with Daniel Radcliffe's performance in this film, like you 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 look at what he is doing as an actor right now post Harry Potter, you know, he's he's picking some interesting stuff and the best thing about his performance not only being completely true to the tone which kind of fluctuates quite a bit <laughs> going from 1 to 11 and 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 you know in every other octave in between, but as you're watching it and I don't want to say like oh Daniel Radcliffe just disappears into the role of Weird Al, but you you never are distracted by his performance yeah, agree, like you're yeah. never thinking oh this is Harry Potter playing Weird Al. And if you were going to have any role that would do that, a dorky dude being the chosen one, quote unquote, <laughs> wearing glasses would be the role that'd be like, oh, this like just reminds me basically of like a, a nerdier version of Harry Potter. Sure. Um, and yeah. so like that has to count for something I, at yeah. least, you know, in terms of how good an actor Radcliffe can be in very weird subversive material I mean again you know the farting corpse in yeah. Swiss Army Man and well he, he reminds me like again like Robert Pattinson I think has had a, obviously a better post you know uh, also being the, a Harry Potter alumni uh, too, that's right? true he is I keep I always forget that but like I mean post Twilight and post Harry Potter I think it, they've both done really interesting things I think Pattinson's obviously taken the more like art truly art house kind of like acting stuff where, where Radcliffe's done some of the more weird pardon the pun stuff which we've mentioned a couple times but um, I, I appreciate both of them for going alright I'm going to be known for this one thing or I'm going to try to do something different with my career after that and 
and it's not like they i think pattinson's made some really really interesting choices and i think radcliffe's like kind of right behind there in a much different way but i like that he's always popping up in things where you're like huh that's a little unexpected i didn't think that you would get cast in that or do that movie or you and he fully commits to each one of them and like i agree with you i think he's you know i i think he's enjoyable in this i never was like oh it's harry potter doing weird al the whole time like, yeah I never i never once thought that and um i also I like think. his roommates just in the sense of like they must be the most supportive roommates <laughs> yeah. in the history Sup- of the most supportive film. bros ever well because the one the the one guy is the played was the kid from unbreakable uh in glass okay um, oh right yeah okay oh really yeah oh cool yeah um i didn't i bad with recognizing stuff like that um yeah i think it's uh i really had a good time last night i'm gonna give the movie a 3.5 with the caveat a little asterisk that uh it's probably around a three-star movie but i had such a good time with that opening night midnight madness crowd that i think it gave it a little bit of a half star bump for me yeah um where i i had a really good time i don't know if i ever need to watch this movie again um i don't know if i'll ever really think of it again other than maybe wanting to listen to some weird owl music or something like that um i think walk hard and pop star and and some other movies have done kind of this thing better in a more interesting way yeah um that are funnier and and are a little bit more clever with its satire but um overall i had a good time so i'm gonna give it a 3.5 yeah I, i think it's one of those movies where like the the most fascinating part is looking back at that period in the 80s where a lot of these kind of niche acts or artists were kind of finding fame in pockets throughout the 80s there there's a pool sequence that kind of has everyone from yeah. you know Andy Warhol to you know Tiny Tim Wee Herman Wee Herman and Gallagher and 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 things like that and it's kind of the like basis oh, from Queen <laughs> yeah it, yeah the basis from Queen and it's like a lot of these artists it's like I don't think that they would have the same kind of career now I mean a lot of them were still 15 minutes of fame but it's just interesting looking Devo. at Devo. Like, Devo, yeah. I mean, Devo though yeah, is Mar- kind of Mother's evolved Boss, in, yeah. in, into something more. But it's just interesting that it's like the '80s was a time for like the Island of Lost mis- Misfits in a way, yeah. and 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 it kind of feels like that in that pool scene. And, and Jack Black has a cameo uh, in it as well as Wolfman Jack, the DJ, and um, that casting is spot on. Like that is I love really Black, good casting. Yeah. So I'm gonna give it three stars and a slice of my bologna, um, <laughs> but. It, I would have given it. I would have given this movie five stars if we got a direct um, Spy Hard reference. Uh, yeah, we both love Spy Hard. Um, thank you all for uh, listening. Uh, I, we don't really have a video version during TIFF, but you can catch all of our TIFF reviews uh, right here on Untitled Movie Reviews. You'll hear saws in the background. You might hear some dogs. You might hear some other people. Um, it's going to be uh, every, unpredictable. Unpredictable for sure. Um, you can get it on YouTube at Untitled Movie Podcast on YouTube. Uh, One stop shop. Just head over to Letterbox, which is Untitled underscore Movies. We also have some non TIFF reviews that you guys can check out uh, for movies like Barbarian and Pinocchio. And uh, we did a TIFF preview show if you kind of want to hear about what else we're going to be watching at the fest. 
Um, we'll have tons of reviews. This is only the beginning, so uh, keep it right here. Uh, if you want more of my work, uh, untitledmoviepodcast.com for everything, and uh, Family Feud Canada on CBC and CBC Gems starting Monday, September 12th at 7.30. Uh, and follow me on all those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric Barch, and you can find more of my video reviews on rogerstv.com slash cinemascene uh, and on all the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. We've been spending most of our lives living in an Amish paradise. <laughs> <laughs>